All right. How's everybody doing? Never thought it'd be such a mad rush to get ready before the camera came on. And Okay, I need a little, little moment to catch my breath over here. I'm so glad to get to be here to share God's word with you today. I got my bionic leg on. If you don't know why, I've got a bionic leg and I'm sitting down. I had surgery a week and a half ago. I'll tell you more about it in just a moment, but I didn't want to miss this particular Sunday, Sending Sunday, where we talk about the mission that God has given us. And so I'm excited you're here. I'm excited you're watching online because I want to share God's word with you. Because here's something I know for a fact. Our God has sent us. We are a sent people. And I want you to discover God's call on you to go. And, And I'm afraid the reason you don't know that you're sent is because you're asking all the wrong questions. And I want to help you ask the right question this morning. If there's anything the Lord has been teaching me over the last month as I've been dealing with this injury, it is the power of asking the right question and the danger of asking the wrong question. I'm going to walk you through what I've been through and what I'm learning. So uh, about a month ago, I uh, had a, a freak accident where my three hamstring muscles on my left leg got severed from my hip bone. And uh, it was as painful as it sounds when it happened. It was, uh, it was crazy. There was an orphanage, and it was burning down, and I was running into the orphanage to save those precious children. And uh, the floor gave way. Uh, I so wish that was my story. I really do, because my story is pretty pathetic. Uh, a game of wiffle ball, and I, I literally tear my hamstring in a game of wiffle ball. And here's the, here's, this, is, this is the way the Lord works with me specifically, because he just loves humbling me to keep me in check. And this is one of the ways. My story is wiffable. And, and the worst part about it is I wasn't even being athletic. Like, I, I wasn't even doing something cool. I wasn't, like, sliding into home to win the game, and I ripped my hamstring up, nothing like that. I'm literally trotting to the sideline to pick up the wiffable. <laughs> I hit some mud. My left leg goes out in front and rips the hamstring right off. I mean, it was, the whole staff there watching. They're laughing at first until they realize I can't get up, and then they're crying with me because they can see what kind of pain I'm in. And it was the funniest part to me is that that morning as I was praying, the Lord was very clear, and he said, Jason, I want you this afternoon to, to be zero competitive tonight, this afternoon in the game. We, we are, we're ending our, our retreat, our planning retreat. We always, this is our ninth annual wiffle ball game. And, he, and his word for me was just, to have fun, to encourage the other team, don't be competitive because I can be overly competitive. So I wasn't even trying. Like I'm cheering on the other team. I'm not even running hard. And then this incident happens. And I want you to know, when I realized I, the, the pain at first, I could tell I had done something because I had never felt that kind of pain in my leg before in my life. It was, it was just excruciating, shooting pain up and down. And I knew I'm, I'm pretty messed up. And when I got the news that over the next couple of days that it had been severed and likely surgery and all that, I, I was frustrated, to be honest with you. I think a lot of people have this view of pastors, like we got everything together, we're always floating around, praying all the time, but I'm just going to go ahead and confess to you, there are moments we get, we get angry, we get frustrated. I, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. There was a moment where the, all I could think of is, God, why? Why? God, I, I wasn't even, I was obeying you. I wasn't even being competitive. I'm at a stinking staff retreat because I've given my life to serve you in ministry, and this is what happens? Okay, I get it. If I'm doing something wrong, if I'm being reckless, if I'm being unholy something, yeah, correct me. But while I'm trying to walk in your ways, God, why? And then if I were being honest, that question led to another one and another one. Then it, it started to get a little bit darker and darker. God, what, what's this going to look like for my life? And, I mean, I, I ran a, a marathon in December. I, I'm not going to be able to walk this December. God, what, 
what's this going to look like? Am I going to have a limp the rest of my life? Am I never going to be able to run another day? Are my days of just shooting hoops with my kids in the, the, pat, in the front yard, are those over? And then I'm, I'm starting to think now about my future. What if I can't even run around in the backyard with my grandkids? What, what if I'm just, I, I no longer have use of this leg? What, what if they tell me it can't be repaired? It's going to hurt for the rest of your life. And, and all these thoughts just get darker and darker and darker to the point where I, I got angry. I got filled with fear and doubt and frustration. You want to know why I got there? Because I was asking all the wrong questions. I started with the question, why? And that was the wrong question. And that question led me to a really dark place. And over the time I've been praying and seeking the Lord and asking him to to grow me, one of the things he's taught me is I need to ask a different question. And here's the question I need to ask. Not why, I need to ask where. Where are you taking me, God, right now? Because you don't miss anything. This isn't, this isn't like you're like, oh, dang, he slipped. What am I going to do? God knew what he was doing. God is trying to take me somewhere. It says in Romans 8, 28, God causes all things, severed hamstrings included, to work out for the, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All things. God is doing good. And so my faith has to kick in and say, God, where are you taking me? What are you trying to show me? What, what are you trying to do in my life? And let me tell you what happens when I start asking the question where instead of why, all of a sudden I'm going, all right, I'm looking now, God. Teach me your lessons. I'm journaling and I'm discovering new truths. I'm, I'm, I got this anticipation to see the miracles of God because God's not wasting this. I see the enemy coming against and I know he's scared because God is doing something. And now all of a sudden I'm on high alert to see the good that God is up to. Listen to this. None of my circumstances have changed. The only thing that changed was the question. One of them led to despair and darkness. The other led to light and anticipation. What the Lord has been teaching me is that everything hinges on asking the right question. And let me tell you, let me tell you why that matters. This morning on Sending Sunday, I think the chief thing that is keeping the majority of you from discovering the call God has for you to go is that you're asking the wrong question. You're asking why. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you before this service is over, we're gonna invite you guys to take a bold step of faith to be willing to express interest in going on a short-term mission trip. That's, that's my goal, that hundreds of you would say, yes, I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. But just know the moment I issue that call to you, all kinds of why questions will emerge in your mind. Why in the world would I pay hundreds or thousands of dollars to go to a different place where I don't know the culture, I don't know the language, they probably don't even want me going. Why would I, why would I ever do that? Why would I ever give up my vacation, my precious little vacation, when I could be resting to go do some work somewhere else? Why in the world would I go to this place when I don't feel like I don't even know what to share with them? Like, why would I do that? All these why questions will emerge in your mind. Those are the wrong questions. Why is not the right question. The right question is, where? God, you are sending me. Where are you sending me? That's the right question you need to be asking. Now, I know when I say that, there are some of you in this room, there's some of you watching online, and your first thought is, that might be the right question for some people. But Jason, you don't know my story. I'm just trying not to screw up my life right now, much less take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Man, I, you want me to go to a different country? I barely made it to church today. Some of you watching online going, I didn't even make it to church today. And you want me to say yes to going somewhere else? It, it, Jason, that, that may be true for some people. Maybe it's true for some of the leaders, those who've been believers for a long time, the deacons or whoever, the staff, but... 
That's way too high of a bar you're setting for me, Jason. I just wanna, I wanna deal with that for a second. If that's you, let me go ahead and say, it is absolutely a high bar, but I wanna clarify something. It's not a high bar I'm setting. It's a high bar God's word is setting. God himself is setting the bar that high, and he's setting the bar that high for a reason. Because he, he knows there's a world who desperately needs to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That there's a God who loves them, who created them, who breathed life and who sent his son to die for them and they don't know it. He knows that right now, if you heard the video, there are 42% of the people groups in this world who are considered unreached. Meaning they don't have an active church. Likely the majority of those people will, will be born, they will live, they will die without ever hearing the name of Jesus much less the whole good news of the gospel of Jesus. And God is saying, that, that's over three billion people. God is saying, I love them. I sent my son for them. We need to take the good news of the gospel to them. This is why we're a sent people. Because God's word calls us to that high standard. Let me tell you, the, the best news of all is every single one of them has hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They can be saved if they would just call upon the name of Jesus. We're going to look at a couple of passages this morning. I want you to grab your Bible, and I want you to go to Romans chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 13. And I want you to see, first of all, the promise of salvation that comes to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. But I want you to see where it ends. Romans chapter 10. The words will be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. But if you do, I want you to follow along with me so you can see it's in your Bible too. Romans 10, verse 13. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The only thing that's missing is people taking the good news of the gospel to them. They can't believe until they hear the message and they can't hear the message until people are sent. And his point is, believers, you are sent. I've called you to this. I'm sending you so they can know the good news and call upon the name of the Lord. This message gives us hope. But let me go ahead and tell you, this message also holds us accountable. This word is telling us that if we are bearers of the good news of the gospel, if we know what it means, we will be held accountable if we don't take the good news to those who need to hear it. And I know this is a sobering truth, but again, this is God's word. I, I want to take you to, for me, is one of the most frightening passages of Scripture in the Bible. It's Ezekiel 33, verses 7 through 9. I want you to listen to what God says to Ezekiel. In the context of it is Ezekiel is a, a watchman. He's the one watching out for the nation of Israel. And God says, I've given you words to take to them, to warn them about judgment coming and that they need to find salvation in me. But listen to what he says to Ezekiel. Chapter 33, beginning in verse 7. It says, So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Those are such sobering words. He's saying, I, I, I know there are people who are going to die. Iniquity is just another way of saying sin, wrongdoing, rebellion against God. Because of their rebellion against God, people are going to die. But if you don't warn them, you who know the good news of salvation, if you don't warn them, 
Don't think for a moment I'm not going to hold you accountable. He's saying, if you believe that heaven and hell are real and that people who have sinned against a holy God will be eternally separated from God and that the only means of their salvation is faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we believe these things to be true and we don't tell people about it, because it was a little too uncomfortable for us to give up some vacation or, or to give up a little bit of money we've been saving to go on a trip. If we don't take the opportunity that's been given to us, don't think for a second we're going to get up before Almighty God and he's going to go, oh, well, it's okay. I know it was really uncomfortable for you. God is going to hold us accountable. And if that truth makes you feel uncomfortable, I'm okay making you feel uncomfortable. Not because I, I like seeing you squirm, but because I don't want you to settle for asking the wrong question. There are too many of us asking the wrong question because we don't know what's at stake. Asking, why should I go? When that question will only lead you to the wrong places. You must ask the right question, and the right question is where? Now, I'm, I'm going to take a little time out right here because I know I've been bringing it on thick. I haven't preached in a few weeks. I'm coming on a too strong, too much hellfire in me right now. So I'm going I'm to take a little breather, pull back for a second, and, and I know I stand in a very dangerous place with this microphone on, sitting at this table, talking to you guys, forcing you to listen to me. Here's, here's a dangerous place. I can compel you or try to compel you to do something for all the wrong reasons. And I want to be really cautious. I don't want any of you at the end of the service going, fine, I'll go on a stinking short-term trip because I made you feel guilty. Because I made you feel shame or whatever, like you were letting me or God down. If that's the motivation, I have failed you. None of you should do anything out of shame or guilt. God is never honored by that. And just as, or maybe even more dangerous, would be some of you thinking that God won't love you unless you go on a short-term trip. That's not the gospel. That's something else. Please don't do it for that motivation. Or even worse, thinking you can control God. If you go on a mission trip, then he's got to bless you or give you that kind of, God's not a genie that we control because we go on a short-term mission trip. I want to make sure you don't do any of this for any of the wrong reasons. There's only one right reason to say to the Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I want to spend the, the last of the few minutes I have with you looking at a passage of scripture that teaches us how our desire to go is coupled beautifully with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's Isaiah chapter six. We're going to spend some time in Isaiah six. So if you haven't been following along, go to the book of Isaiah chapter six. We're going to read this profound moment that Isaiah had before Almighty God. We'll start with the first four verses. In these first four verses, Isaiah, this prophet who lived over 700 years before Jesus ever even came, he gets this glimpse of Almighty God. And, and I want you to get to, to hear his own recounting of what it meant to come before this majestic holy God. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, listen to what it says. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Okay, now, now pause just for a moment there. What you're hearing here is this guy this, in, in the ancient world trying to describe infinite majesty with the only terminology he knew. All he could do was think about the majesty of a king on a throne that's high and lifted up with angelic beings and smoke and power and thunder. He's using every word he knows to describe something that he's seeing that he can't even describe. 
the infinite majesty of an infinitely holy and, and splendor-filled God. He said, I've gotten a glimpse of something so beautiful and bright, I can't even look at it. In fact, I want you to see his response to viewing such a majestic, holy, magnificent God in verse 5. It says, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah, he says, oh my goodness, I've seen him. I've seen his splendor and his glory. And he says, woe is me, I am lost. That, that phrase, I am lost, is a really interesting Hebrew word. It literally means I cease to be. I'm unraveled. I'm undone. I'm destroyed. I can't take it. It's too bright. It's too much. It's too holy. What you're seeing right here is the only way a mere human being can respond to the splendor and the majesty of Almighty God. The only way we can really respond to the glory of God is to go, I, I, don't, I don't measure up. Oh God, I'm unholy. You never discover how dirty and impure something is until it's placed right next to something that is pure and clean. I have a t-shirt that used to be white. I got it back in junior high. I still have it. And the other day it was in my, my armoire right next to a brand new hoodie that was bright white. And for the first time I saw that t-shirt and it was so yellow and dingy and nasty, I thought it's time to get rid of my junior high t-shirt. I didn't notice how bad it was until I saw something that was actually clean. And I realized, holy cow, that is nasty. It's the same way before Almighty God. When you actually see what's clean, you go, oh my, this is nasty. This heart, this soul. I've been too busy comparing myself to a whole bunch of other dirty people thinking I'm all right. But when I compare myself to Almighty God, I realize I am broken. Listen, if you don't have a sense of your own sin and brokenness, it can only mean one thing. It can only mean you're not comparing yourself to the beauty and the majesty of a holy, holy, holy God. You're looking around the world. You can always find somebody worse off than you in this world. But when you compare yourself to the, ma the majestic nature of Almighty God, that's when you begin to see how unworthy you and I really are. I believe there are some of you, and I know it. I've been praying for it. We've been praying for it that this week or this month, maybe even this morning, God has been revealing to you your own brokenness. Maybe, maybe it's just you're finally getting to see the destruction of your selfish ways or the ways that you've hurt the people around you or the addiction that you can't seem to kick. And for whatever reason, you woke up this morning, you're just acutely aware of your brokenness, of your selfishness of the way that you just keep following the same muddy ruts again and again and again. If that's you, I want you to know you're in a really good place because when you are humbled enough to see your own brokenness, that's when you begin to discover the power of Almighty God. It's exactly what happens to Isaiah. When he comes to full grips with his own brokenness, I want you to see how God responds in verses six and seven. Here's what it says, verse six. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So this is crazy scene now with the seraphim, the, the seraph grabs his coal and touches his mouth. Now, now what you got to understand right here is this, is this is figurative. This is imagery. Isaiah didn't have a real burning coal touch his mouth. God wasn't harming Isaiah in this moment. This was detailing a purifying work that God was doing in Isaiah. Many scholars believe that that coal was taken from the altar of, of burnt sacrifice. If you don't understand Jewish 
religion, the way it works is there were sacrifices that were made. The offering of burnt sacrifice was to atone for sin. There would be an animal, a bull or a goat or a lamb that would be slaughtered and then burned and then that would be taken in place of the sin of somebody else so that person could be forgiven of their sin. And when that coal is taken from that offering place and touches Isaiah's lips, that's a sign that that offering had been accepted. What Isaiah is getting right here is a glimpse of the gospel of Jesus Christ, something that he wouldn't know about for some 700 years. It's a foreshadowing of the true Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who would one day be born and who would choose to be sacrificed as a sin offering on a cross, his hands open and nailed, his feet nailed to that cross, and he would offer up himself so that those who believe in him can be redeemed because someone substituted and took the wrath that they deserved and the sin that they'd committed. Isaiah is experiencing the gospel before he even knows what the gospel is in this moment. But, but I want you to notice something about this. First thing I want you to notice is that Isaiah doesn't even ask for it. He doesn't say, cleanse me. All he says is, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm unraveled. This just shows you the nature of God. He's drawn to the person who's contrite of heart, who humbles themselves, who recognizes their own brokenness. He can't help it. He didn't even wait for us to ask. He just comes to us. And I want you to notice that Isaiah, he didn't do squat to deserve this. He didn't make an offering. He didn't go help a poor person. He didn't go do right. He didn't, he didn't do anything at all. There was no action on his part. All he had was brokenness, and he confessed it. This is showing us this is how the gospel works. We don't have to earn God's love. We don't have to do sacrifice after sacrifice. We don't have to be good enough. All we have to do is humble ourselves. But probably the most important word in this entire chapter is the first word of verse 6. It says, then... The seraph, one of the seraphim, grabbed the coal and came. Then, let me tell you what that means. It means that though our God is a God of grace and mercy, he waits until we humble ourselves before he takes action. Yes, absolutely, God was ready to come cleanse the sin and the shame and the guilt of Isaiah, but he waited until Isaiah humbled himself. Then one of the seraph, well, the seraphim came and took away his sin, took away his shame, and his dirt. Let me tell you what this teaches us. Our God is ready to take away all the sin and shame in your life. He is ready to clean the slate and give you a brand new start. All the wrong you've done, all the times you've seen your own brokenness and sinfulness and selfishness, all that can be erased. Your whole past, when you humble yourself. You don't have to try hard. You don't have to change anything. You just have to humble yourself. But if you will not humble yourself, you will not experience the power of the gospel of Jesus. Listen, I want you to hear this. Please, please hear this. I'm going to move on in just a moment to talk about why we respond to God's mission. But if you have not yet come to the place where you've humbled yourself before the cross of Jesus Christ and said, oh God, forgive me, change me, cleanse me, then that's what you need to do today. I think God may be getting some of you ready to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ today and experience the same cleansing where your past can be taken away, where your sin can be atoned for. And you don't have to listen to anything else I say. You just got to muster up the courage to respond when this service is over because I'm going to tell you in a bit what you need to do. So get your heart ready for it if that's you. But before I get there, I know there are a number of you in this room, and you've already done that. You've confessed your faith in Jesus Christ. You have 
you have said, yes, I'm a sinner. You've received the power of the gospel of Jesus. You've expressed it in baptism. You've shown the Lord you're ready. If that's you and you've really experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm gonna show you in this next verse the only right way to respond to the gospel. When you've seen all that God has done for you, you don't ask why, you ask where. Look at verse eight. Last verse we're gonna look at. Right after all this happened, it says, Isaiah says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. You, you can see this giddiness, this readiness in Isaiah. He's going, listen, I'm your man. Put me in, coach. I'm right here. Send me, send me. It, it's so crazy because of what Isaiah doesn't know in this moment when he says, I'm right here, send me. He's got no clue of the nature of the mission. He's got no clue where he's supposed to go. No idea how much it's going to cost. No idea how dangerous it might be, how hard it might be. He knows nothing about the mission, and he doesn't care a lick. He just knows the God that saved him is looking for somebody to go, and he goes, I'm your man. Right here, pick me, pick me, send me. This is the only right way to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you have been cleansed by the unmerited, undeserved grace of Jesus Christ, and then your Savior says, I want, I want people to know the good news. Who shall, who shall I send? Who will go? Those, those of us who've been cleansed go, me. I'm your man. I'm your woman. Pick me. This is why we don't have to ask why. Not because we don't need to know the answer, but because we already know the answer. We don't have to waste our time asking a question we already know the answer to. We don't have to ask why. We ask where. Maybe the only thing that we're forgetting in this moment is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isaiah in this moment, he was acutely aware because he had just been cleansed. Some of us have been believers for a long time and we've forgotten what's been done for us. Listen, this is why we take the Lord's Supper every single week. We're not gonna take it quite yet. I still got a few more minutes on my clock down here, so y'all hang tight, but... But we are going to take the Lord's Supper at the end of the service after we have a song of response. And when we take the Lord's Supper, we do it every single week because we want, to, we want to remember. Never forget the message of the gospel. There's a piece of bread and there's a cup symbolizing the body of Jesus Christ that was sacrificed on a cross and the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. It's a constant reminder of the gospel. The message that you and I of our own doing... We were under the penalty of our own sin, our rebellion against God, slaves to Satan and to sin, unable to help ourselves, put ourselves there because we chose to live for our own glory instead of God's glory, made ourselves enemies of Almighty God. But God loved us so much, he sent his son to come and Jesus steps up to the devil and says, no, take me instead, let them go free. And the devil says, it's gonna cost you your body and your blood. And Jesus says, I know, I'm willing to pay that price. Take me instead. And Jesus goes to a cross and he dies. And you and I walk out scot-free. No, no problem, no penalty. Set free because of the substitute who went in our place. When we take the Lord's Supper, we're remembering what's been done for us. And when this Jesus who rose from the grave three days later comes back to us and says, whom shall I send and who will go? When we remember what's been done for us, we say, I'm the one who's gonna go. Send me. We don't have to ask why. We just have to ask where. And if you're willing to ask the question where, that's when we can help you. Now, I want you to, I want you to grab your little booklet, if you wouldn't mind right now. When you walked in, hopefully you got a booklet. If you didn't get a booklet, um, we might have a few extras. Would you raise your hand? We want to make sure that you have at least one booklet for 
every family or whatever that's in here. So raise your hand high enough for the people to see so they can bring you a booklet. Now, this booklet is an incredible treasure chest of information for you if you want to know where to be sent. It's got a lot of great information in it. And you can find out how to take a next step in your, your sending journey through this booklet. Now, I, I know there are some of you. This happens every single year. There are some of you that this morning, God has been working on you. In fact, the past few months, maybe even years, God has been working on you. And you don't even have to ask the question where. You already know where. God is calling you to get up and take your life and live somewhere else. Maybe for a few months, maybe for a few decades to expand the gospel of Jesus Christ, to plant churches or to, to be a missionary. You already know God is calling you. And maybe today, finally, you're willing to go, okay, I'm not going to fight you anymore. I remember why. I'm ready to go, God. If that's you, I, I want to know. This booklet will help you. If you turn to page 17 in the booklet, it'll tell you about going what we call midterm or long term. There's great information in here. And you can let us know, and we'll make sure we help you in that journey. In fact, after the service, we're going to have a lunch where you can ask all the questions you have. You can connect to the missions team, and you can discover about how to be sent long term. And I believe there are a few of you in the room that you need to finally raise your white flag and say, I'm going to stop fighting. I'm going to stop resisting. And say, here I am, Lord. Yes, send me. I'm ready to go. That'll be a few of you. But I'm going to go ahead and be honest. That is not the majority of you in this room. But I've been praying, we've been praying as a staff, I've been praying as an individual, that the majority of you in the room would respond specifically to one thing, to a short-term mission trip in the year 2023. I've actually been praying that 500 of you, which is a lot of the church, would be willing to say, I'm, I'm willing to put my name down on the list to find out more information about a specific mission trip. In fact, I, I want you to look on page four, if you don't mind. You go to page four. Pages four through 11 are a list of all the short-term trips that we have. Pages four and five tell you about children and student trips. So by the way, if you're a child or a student, this is including you. You don't have to wait till you're an adult grown and out of the house before you say, yes, here I am, send me. We have trips that help you now. And, and honestly, for you students and, and kids, you're probably more ready than the parents are. So parents, this is you saying, I choose to let my kids go. I don't want to hold them back if the Lord is calling them. And so pages four and five are for children and students. Pages six and seven, college and young adults. This is the most sendable demographic of our church. Those who are crazy enough to go, I'll, I'll go anywhere you tell me to go. Here's some beautiful opportunities for you to be involved in the mission of God. And then the rest of us, if you turn to page eight, nine, 10, and 11, you see trips for adults and for families, whole families. And there's some of you going, I, I, can't, I can't do this, or we both can't do this. We got kids at home. Here's the good news about this. The whole family can go on some of these. We try to design all kinds of trips. Some of you go, I got limited vacation. We got some that are over just like a long weekend. Some of you going, I don't know language, culture. We got places where we'll train you. We're trying to take away every single excuse. And you want to know why? Because the moment you try to say yes, every excuse will pop into your mind. All the wrong questions will come into your mind. You're going to go, I, I, I don't have enough vacation time to do that. Why, why would I give up my vacation? Why, why would I give up this? Look, I've seen some of these trips cost several thousand dollars. There's no way I could do that. Mm -mm. Why would I go to some of these places? I don't know the language. I don't know the culture. I don't know the people. I, no, there's just, there's just no way. I'm, I'm not mature enough. I, I can't do it. 
And you're going to come up with all these excuses of why you can't be a part of this. Why this is the person sitting next to you, but not you. I'm not, I'm not healthy enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. And the reason you'll get there is because you're going to be asking all the wrong questions. But I want you to channel a little bit of your Isaiah this morning. I want you to be like him and say, listen, I don't have to know where. I don't have to know how much it's going to cost. I don't have to know how hard it's going to be. I don't have to know how dangerous it's going to be. I don't have to know anything. All I have to know is that you have saved me. You have redeemed me. Here I am, God. Wherever you want to send me, send me. I'm ready. That's the only thing that will compel you to go, your deep belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But again, I want to make sure you're doing it for the right reason. I want you to do it not because you want to make me happy, not because you want to make Richard or Jared or anybody else in the mission team happy. I want you to do it because you so believe in what God has already done for you. It's God's call, not mine. And so I want to give you a little bit of time to be still before the Lord. Would you, would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your heads for a moment? Because I think you need to get alone with the Lord. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm, I'm doing it with you. I'm not looking around. And I'm going to encourage you not to look around, though the temptation may rise in you, because I'm going to ask a few of you to raise your hand. In fact, I'm hoping many of you will. But if you are somebody who has believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, then what I want to ask you to do is to imagine, just put a circle around yourself right now, and imagine it's just you and your Savior, Jesus. And he's standing before you, and he's saying, I want the world to know the good news that you know. I want them to know how much I love them. I want them to know that I'm ready to save them and redeem them and transform them. And he's asking you, are you willing to go? And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're willing to say yes to the Lord, like I'm, I'm not looking, I'm, I'm asking no one else to be looking around. This is just you and the Lord. If you're willing to say, here I am, God, I don't know how long it'll be. I don't know how much it's going to cost. I don't know how I'm going to get ready for it, but I don't need to know all that stuff. I know you've redeemed me and you're calling me. If you're willing to say before Almighty God, here I am, send me then I'm going to ask you with no one looking around for you to raise your hand before the Lord so that he and he alone can see it. Would you do that right now? Like I'm, not, I'm not looking. I got no clue. If there's one of you, if there's a hundred of you, I have no clue. Because this isn't about me. This is about you and the Lord. And maybe some of you are afraid right now to raise your hand because you don't know what this kind of commitment before Almighty God will look like. And I'm asking you to, to stare at the gospel of Jesus. And to know he has always loved you. He will not steer you wrong. He will not call you to something that he doesn't have plans for. You just got to trust him and say, okay, God, here I am. Send me. If you're willing to boldly raise your hand in the air for him to see and no one else, would you do that? And when you put your hand in the air and he's seen it, you can put your hand back down. Just let him know. I'm right here, God. Send me. Now, with, with your head still bowed, your eyes still closed, I'm going to ask one more question. If you're here this morning, and as I was talking about sin and brokenness and despair, and you were going, that's me. I, I feel so broken. I feel so dirty. I feel so much shame. I feel so inadequate. If that's you right now, I want you to know God is allowing you to see your brokenness, not to harm you, not to make you feel bad, but so that you will trust in his son Jesus for your forgiveness because salvation can come today. But it requires you humbling yourself before the Lord saying, oh God, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my wrong. But I believe Jesus is enough and I put my faith in Jesus. Save me. 
If you're ready today to discover the salvation of Almighty God, to trust that he can redeem you, and today can be a fresh start, again, with nobody looking around, heads still bowed, eyes still closed. This is just between you and the Lord right now. If, you, if you're saying today, I'm ready, I'm ready for Christ to save me, I need it, then you just raise your hand to the Lord and say, I, I'm that broken person. I'm aware of my sin. I'm, I'm undone. Save me, Jesus. You just lift your hand to the Lord, and then you put it back down. I know some of you right now, you're wrestling. I, I want to put my hand, but I'm scared. It takes faith. This is just between you and Almighty God. If you need to respond and you lift your hand to him and you say, maybe your hand trembling. Oh God, I'm broken. Save me. Here I am. Save me. You just lift your hand to the Lord and then put it back down. Oh God, I know that you see and you hear. Thank you for moving our hearts to respond in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Listen, I know some of you responded. I want to tell you that was between you and the Lord, but there are steps that the Lord is calling you to take, and I want to give you an opportunity to take those steps. First thing I want you to do, if you were one of the people who raised your hand saying, here I am, send me. I don't necessarily know where, I don't know how, but I, I know I need to go. And you raised your hand to that. Here's what I want to ask you to do. In the back of this booklet, there's a QR code. You can get your phone out and you can scan that code and it'll take you directly to a link. We try to make this as easy as possible. I'm praying there are 500 of you who'll be willing to take this one particular step to scan it and it'll take you about a minute. You just put your name, email, phone, and then you pick which one of the trip or which ones of the trips that you're interested in. Now, you're not signing up. Please hear me. You're not signing up. There's no deposit you got to pay the moment you do this. All you're doing is you're letting the trip leader know that you're interested in this trip so they can contact you with more information. But this is a step where you're putting your faith into practice. You raised your hand as a sign before God. Now you're taking a faith step to scan this. Now, we're going to sing a song in just a moment about being available. And maybe you don't need to sing that song. Maybe you just need to get your phone out, look at the trips for a little bit, and then pick one or two or three and let the trip leader know. That's your step of faith. God is asking you to do it. I would love for the majority of you to do it before you even leave here today. Now, maybe some of you are going, I need more time. Listen, you can, you can take this home. You can keep waiting, but I'm going to go ahead and warn you. Your chance of doing it will go down exponentially the moment you leave this room. There are times when you sense the Lord moving. You say, I'm obeying right now. I'm not going to put it off. So I want to highly encourage you before you even leave this room to say to at least one of them, okay, here's a trip where I'm most interested in. I want, the, I want information from the trip leader about it. And you look through this and you do that over the next song, but take the step of faith. Also, I want to say this. There are some of you who raised your hand because you said, I'm, I'm broken, but I believe Jesus can save me. I'm ready for him to, to save me and to have my life. I need him to take over. If you raised your hand before the Lord, he heard you and he saw you, but he also wants you to publicly declare that. In a moment, we're going to have pastors who are going to be down front, who will be ready to receive you. And you may need to walk down to one of them and say, I, I raised my hand. I'm broken, and I need Christ to redeem me. I need Christ to save me and to help me. And what we're going to do is we're going to help you take a bold step of faith. Isaiah had his, a symbol with uh, the coal touching his lips. But the Lord gives us a new symbol in the New Testament, and that symbol is a baptistry. 
It's a symbol that the old us that was broken is going to be dead and washed away. All of our sins cleansed, all of our guilt and shame washed away when we go under that water. And when we come up, we get a glimpse of being clean, brand new, owned by Jesus. And if you made that decision today, then you can come let one of the pastors know and say, I'm, I'm ready for that. And we'll counsel with you. We've got a Jesus in my place t-shirt. Before you even leave the room today, you can be baptized and experience salvation in Christ Jesus. Before you ever talk about going somewhere, you start with knowing Christ. In a moment, I'm going to allow you to do that. But one last thing before I get out of the way. I know there are some of you, it happens every single week, and you came in here and your life is in shambles. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Maybe you just... Your, your life trajectory is just broken. Your friends have abandoned you. You're struggling with depression or anxiety, you, a fear you can't even explain, an addiction you can't overcome, a sickness that just, that gets you. Something is going on right now that has you overwhelmed. Listen, the same God who sent his son to die for you cares for every single one of your needs, knows every single hair on your head. And if, you, if you're bald, he knows every hair that used to be on your head. He loves you and knows you and cares for you. And he wants to meet those needs. He's got to approach the throne of grace. We're going to have pastors and prayer team members down front. Whatever need you have this morning, bring it before one of these people so it can be taken up to the God who cares. So I'm going to invite you all to stand up right now, if you will. You go ahead and stand up. I'm going to ask the prayer team and the pastors to make their way forward. And if you need right now to come and let one of them know what God is doing in your heart and your life, and you do that. If, you, if you're ready to to tell them you raise your hand because you want to trust in Christ Jesus. You need prayer for something going on in your life. You do that. Well, remember, if you're one of those who said, here I am, God, send me, then you scan that code, you look at the trips, you pick one, and you respond that way. But right now is the time for you to respond, so however you need to, you do it.